Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Prospects After Dark. Man, look, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm not particularly happy about this. Oh, and this is such a joke. Man, I am frustrated. Uh, so just to give you guys an idea of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, this is the first time we've done Prospects After Dark uh, without it being synced to Periscope. So I'm not... When I, and I've been doing it through StreamYard. So when I do it through StreamYard, I can usually see the comments. But apparently now, uh, they're not letting you see the comments through StreamYard. Uh, so what we have now is we have to go through Twitter Live, which I hate. Uh, uh, hopefully that we can get comments. Somebody post a comment so I can see if it's going to let me uh, if it's going to let me read the comments. Uh, again, look, if we end up getting a chance to actually talk about how this thing works, um, then uh, uh, hello, hello, everybody. Uh, then good. That makes me feel better. Um, this is messed up, too, because it won't let me orient the camera this way. So, hmm, man, we're, we're figuring this out on the fly. Look, we have so much to talk about if we can figure this out. Uh, it's making me, let's see if we can do this. Let's see if this works, family. Uh, boy, I hate this. Um, yeah, so anyways, we have a lot to talk about. Look, the Cardinal signed Stephen Matz. Uh, we got a dirty, flirty, an entire prospect write-up thing to talk about. And, uh, look, we've got booze. Uh, again, sorry about the technical difficulties. I raise my glass to everyone who's in here. As normal, we have four roses. Uh, I'm already off balance. I'm already off kilter because of this whole messed up setup. Uh, again, I appreciate everybody for coming in and sticking with us. It looks like we got it figured out now. Uh, so hello to Wesley Wells. Wesley Wells, how are you, man? I feel like we haven't seen or talked to you in forever. Hello, Adam Butler. I love you. You're one of my favorites. Hello, Braden Brown. Nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. Uh, used to fly the L. Uh, uh, Jeff Niehaus says seizure. Boy, did I feel like I had a seizure just a second ago. I'm going to raise my glass to everybody. Welcome back to Prospects After Dark on a Skanksgiving day. The day before Thanksgiving, November 24th, 2021. Welcome, Pad People. Uh, hello, Cards Clones. Hello, uh, D. Strange. Cardinal Fan 022 says, yo, hello. Uh, Wesley Wells says, long time since I've joined... Uh, I've missed it. I've missed you too, but I've missed you too. What does everybody want to talk about? Do we want to get into the dirty flirty at all? Today was the last day that we released a write-up, uh, prospect number three, because we did it in the weirdest order imaginable. Uh, we have 40 prospects to go over. We can talk about Nick Plummer. We can talk about the signing of Steven Matz. You guys tell me what you want to talk about, and we'll get rolling. Hello, Octavius Rex. Hello, Victoria. Hello, Jay Hart, 1273. Uh, it's great to have everybody in here. It's great to talk to everybody again. Uh, hello again. Uh, wow, we get to see so much of you. Yeah, I hate this. Uh, so when I went to tilt my phone to get the normal, like, a landscape view, it wouldn't let me do it. It lets me do it, but it won't. It doesn't change how the comments are seen. Uh, leave it to Twitter to fuck up something that was working so well. Uh, Steven Matz season. Yeah, you know, uh, I feel like we have a great mixed reaction amongst Cardinal fans about Steven Matz. I don't know how I feel about it just yet. I, I, you know, for me, it seems like for $11 million a year for four years, maybe the years are one too many or two too many. But $11 million, you know, uh, one of the things I said on Twitter is I think about this type of pitcher four or five years ago and you're looking at Mike Leake's contract. You know, uh, uh, you're looking at a, at least 20% more than what you're paying for him. So, you know, I to me, $11 million doesn't hamper the team uh, in the future, and that's what matters to me. You know, it's it's cheaper than Fowler, and there's always seems to be a market for pitching. I mean, the Cardinals had to eat some elite salary, but uh, there there was a market for him, and they got Raider Ascanio in the deal, who was a great minor league depth for them. So, uh, yeah, it is indeed Stephen Matt's season, Cardinals fan. Hey, Steele, how are you, bud? How's the family? 
Uh, Lance Dance says, that doesn't look like enough bourbon for Blackout Wednesday. Yeah, you know, I'm too old for Blackout Wednesday these days. Like, part of the reason we don't do pad as frequently anymore is because I'm old and I can't drink the way that I used to and recover and get back to work the way I used to. Uh, but you know what? I've got this much left in the, the canister. Uh, I've got, I've got, hold on. I've got this much here in, in the drink cup. I don't know if you can see it, the drink cup. Uh, and I would imagine that none of that survives the rest of the evening. Uh, John Heyman fan puts up the goat sign. No, the pad people are the goat. I am a, I'm the shepherd. <laughs> oh boy, what a, uh, what a disgusting human being I am. Uh, GM Gersh says, I missed your head. GM Gersh. I miss your head too. Uh, Wessingwell says Steve Cohen uh, is whining. Yeah, that was what a fun moment that was. Uh, I'm sure that the entire free agent negotiation process is frustrating for agents, and I'm sure it's frustrating for players, and I'm sure it's frustrating for front offices and owners. Uh, but I, I feel like Mr. Cohen, like this is probably one of the issues with having owners involved in all this. Now, granted, Cohen's the only one who's going to go to Twitter and have kind of a temper tantrum, which I love. I can't get enough. I think it's fantastic. I don't think it's bad for the sport either, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, he might be the only one of the Major League Baseball owners who does it, uh, so it's not that much of a problem. But, yeah, you know, uh, maybe the idea of being an owner that's ultra-involved in how the money is spent isn't always the best thing. Uh, I love it. I hope he keeps whining and whining and whining. Uh, I hope whoever signs uh, Michael Conforto, like, the same thing happens there. Uh, Victoria Dryden says, Plummer is gone. Yeah, uh, I'm going to raise my glass to Nick Plummer, who worked his ass off to become a real major league prospect once again, uh, who was striving for excellence during all of 2021 and often got very close, um, to a kid who worked his ass off, changed his approach, changed his mentality, changed everything about himself to get baseball ready, uh, uh, and has now signed his first major league contract. To Nick Plummer, we raise our glass of bourbon. Congratulations, young man. You deserve it. Fish, what's up, brother? How are you? Oh, boy, it's so nice to have all the regulars back. I'm so happy that we get to do this. Again, I apologize that we don't do prospects after dark more often. Uh, there's a couple reasons. Again, uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier, it's hard for me to keep going. Uh, like at work the next day once I do this. I'm old now. I'm 35 or 40 or 45. I don't really know how old I am. Uh, I'm probably closer to 50 than even I realize. It's hard when you've been growing in a lab to really know exactly how old you are. So that's part of the reason. You know, the other reason is it takes a lot of energy, and I'm too old for energy too. Uh, uh, but mostly, I am end up being condescending sometimes, and I don't mean to be condescending. Uh, and if I'm not involved with people, then they don't have to deal with that nonsense. Wesley Well says, uh, "If Matt is a solid top four starter for three years, it's a good deal." I agree. Uh, I just think you know, I think about those numbers on Leak. I think about the numbers for Brett Cecil. Like, uh, you know, that was a terrible contract, and I don't know. It just it comes down to what the Cardinals are willing to do if he isn't good in year three, if he isn't good in year four, or even year two. Like, if they're just running him out there, running him out there, because he's un under contract. And maybe that's what they do. Maybe that's not what they do. I don't know. Uh, then, yeah, that's where the issue becomes a real issue for me, Wesley. But, yeah, you know, uh, Ben Cerruti brought up a great point on Twitter. You know, it seems like a lot of money for a league average player or what you're hoping is a league average player. And maybe with, uh, you know, the ground ball skills and the type of pitcher who – gets good defense behind him, and that raises his stats and what he's capable of and his effectiveness. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just – it doesn't seem like that much of a risk. You know, it's not – four years is a long time, but it's not five years. And three years would be better, yeah, for sure. But you're only talking about 11 mil, and 
I, I just don't see that this being the kind of contract that hurts the Cardinals in any way. I mean, even if he doesn't say he gets hurt right out of the gate and never discovers it, I don't think, I mean, other than the roster spot, I don't think it really hurts the Cardinals either. It's To me, it's a low risk, maybe potentially low reward, uh, uh, but it just seems like the perfect move for the Cardinals uh, for me right now. Octavius Rex, who it's a pleasure to have here, I worry about length. I can see his performance going either way. Yeah, the length's the issue, right? Uh, and it sounds like there were a bunch of teams that were willing to offer Mats maybe three years. Uh, it seems like a few teams offered him two years. Uh, so, yeah, that fourth year could end up being the difference. That might be the reason why the Cardinals were able to sign him. I know that there's some rumblings of that already. But, uh, yeah, we just don't know yet. Uh, again, I wish that that fourth year wasn't there. That's my only big gripe with it because three years, 11 mil would be way more palatable. Uh, you know, three years, 33 mil would be way more palatable than the 444. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And I still think it's not a bad deal, even if it doesn't work out. And I think that's the most important thing for me. You know, I still would rather, like, I joked around on Twitter. I would still like for, like, Miles Michaelis to wave his no-trade clause and some team take that contract and then the Cardinals to bring Scherzer in. I don't envision a situation in which Scherzer or Stroman are brought in now at this point, which is kind of a bummer. I think both might have been a better fit for the Cardinals. And, of course, everybody wants to root for Max Scherzer. I would, too. Uh but, you know, without a contract coming off the books, that is. Uh, but, you know, I think Matt's is a step in the right direction. In my mind, they still they would still do themselves very well to bring Jay Hat back and Wade LeBlanc or some player like that. At least have one more of those guys, if not two, uh, uh, ready to go and compete for a spot, depending on, you know, who's willing to accept the fact that they're probably not going to be a starter. Uh, Cardinals fan 22 says they still have roughly 19 to 20 million left to spend on offense and bullpen. So in my mind, they've already committed. First off, in my mind, I think that they have closer to 10 or 15 to commit. I, I know fans see it. I would, I would recommend everybody go and check out Jason Hill, his article over on Viva Alberto's because his numbers make more sense to me than everyone else who says they've got, you know, 30 million to spend in the off season. They've got X amount to spend. Hill's numbers match up in my mind. And that's what I've been trying to tell people for months now, uh, dating back to the last couple of prospects after dark we did. That's, that's what we've been trying to say all along. Uh, but you know, it, it, I still think Luis Garcia comes back. You're talking about 5 million there or whatever that ends up being, uh, that cuts into it. Um, yeah, like maybe they get a left-handed bench bat, although, you know, we'll see about that. Um, you know, an infield, left-handed hitting infield bench bat. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think financial flexibility is just as important. Again, I, I want the headliner. And sure, maybe Marcus Stroman was the headliner. You know, Max Scherzer would definitely be the headliner. But uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. Sometimes I don't really care about headliners. I, I, I want depth. And I, I want to see them continue to add depth. Um, uh, uh uh, Matt Stromer says, hello, Matt. How are you, my friend? I like the Matt signing and not just because of his last name. I know you, you Matt's and Matt's and Matt's, uh, you stick together. Although I will say that I can only imagine how terrible the puns are going to be coming from C70. And uh, that makes my skin cross steel. What an awesome family. Oh, thank. Happy. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to, to my niece, uh, to the niece Orwig. I love it. Uh, thank you, Steel. You're the best. John Dobble, uh, excuse is going soft, Kyle. You know, Mr. Dobble, I have gone soft. Uh, I was telling gifts this, and I was telling the girlfriend this this week, that, like, all of a sudden I've gotten weirdly emotional about stuff. Like, I was almost sobbing watching the end of the new Ghostbusters movie the other day, which, I mean, I, I other than a moment with my brother Michael when I dropped Michael off in Portland years ago, I haven't cried, like, actually have tears come out of my eyes since I was 13. I remember the moment distinctly. Uh, so... 
I, I have. I've gone soft. Uh, I, I know you meant it in jest, but yeah, I've definitely gone, gone soft. I, uh, I care about people now. It's a whole weird thing. Uh, GM Gersh says, uh, can the Cardinals realistically be confident in starting DeYoung at short? No, no, uh, no. I don't think the Cardinals should be confident at all with DeYoung or Sosa or Rondon as a potential shortstop. Now, I am also on board with moving Edmundo, or, uh, Tommy Edmund to short and, and letting uh, Rondon and Sosa and Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman complete for that second base spot in spring training. L- let that middle infield be a completely open competition. Uh, and then whoever wins, wins. Uh, whoever you break camp with, that's who you have. Because, look, Tommy Edmund led the league in doubles, but he did it in 7,000 plate appearances. Uh, he was 17th overall in double rates, which is still a great rate to, to double. But it doesn't really matter when you're not getting on base. You know That number, what he's able to do offensively, becomes more impressive if he can play a Paul De, Paul the Young level shortstop, which I believe that he can play and maybe even a little bit better. So for me, the way that like what make what would make me feel more comfortable about the Cardinals shortstop and second base situation would be if they went into spring training and said, "Look, here's the deal, Nolan. Here's the deal, Brendan. You both are going to get a real shot to be the everyday second baseman. A real shot. We're not screwing around." Uh, uh, and Tommy. This offseason, you're working at short because worst case scenario, uh, uh, Gorman and Donovan aren't impressive. You know, DeYoung isn't impressive. Sosa isn't impressive. And Edmund is Edmund. Then you just move Edmund back to second base. Uh, uh, he'll be fine there. Uh, then, and then you let DeYoung and Sosa uh, fight it out all season until Gorman or Donovan are ready. That's how I would handle it uh, if I'm not going to add outside of the organization. Braden Browns. Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, Braden Brown says 11 times four for a guy to be your four seems pretty solid. Yeah, even even four or five really at this point. It's just a matter of if Matt's can stay healthy, right? Because the track record tells us as long as he's healthy, he's a productive starter. And the, what we know about the Cardinals is that they get the most out of pitchers who throw strikes and put the ball in play. So as long as Matt's is throwing strikes, I think he'll be fine. And I think it's a it's a solid contract. Look, it's not a great contract. It's a, a good, solid contract. Uh, Jeff Niehaus says, it's not the length I worry about as much as the girth. Yeah, you know, a, a big, girthy hog. It's hard to get in these tight holes, boy. Uh, Colby Wacker says, what do you think about going after Story? Look, I'm all about going after Story or Simeon or or Seager, like all those guys. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think that's what the Cardinals are going to do. I know there's been a groundswell lately of uh, Chris Taylor, which I would love that too. I don't think the Cardinals are going to do that either, but I think that that's more realistic. That's more Cardinal. You know, if Brad Miller could play defense, I'd be like, hey, go get Brad Miller again. Uh, but I, I just don't think that that's going to happen either. Uh, commenting is off to chat. Oh, uh uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, the, unfortunately, look, I'm, uh, Colby, I'm all about uh, making the Cardinals as strong of a team from the outside as possible without dishing many of your assets. That's why that four years, $11 million without a qualifying offer is chump change to me. I'd rather have them do that than trade for somebody else, uh, a fringe four starter, where you're actually going to have to give up assets and cash and maybe uh, more. Like, that, to me, it's an ideally perfect move. Uh, Sir Smoka. Sir Smokesa says, smokes a lot, says, look at this beautiful SOB. To you, Sir Smokesa, I promised you we'd get a Thanksgiving, we'd get a pat in before Thanksgiving. To you uh, for pushing it to me and uh, uh, making this happen to a degree. To you. John Dobble says, more owners on Twitter, please. John, I'm with you. Like, 
Can you imagine Bill DeWitt? Bill DeWitt would be like Rick Hummel on Twitter, where it'd just be like the one, he'd tweet about one topic once every six months or once every year. Yeah, that's, I'd be on board for that. Wesley Wells says, uh, what would it be like if DeWitt was on Twitter? That's what I think it would be like. Uh, how about that? I'm, I'm, I'm answering your questions before I see them. Yeah, that's what I think it would be. I think it would be uh, just like Mr. Hummel, where like twice a year, maybe three times a year, he'd tweet about Matt Cain or something like that. Uh, ben Mazzara says, will Matt's be the only signing we see from the Cardinals until the lockout is done? Uh, maybe in January or February. Yeah, look, I don't know what to think about the lockout. You know, I've been one of these people who says that I think the owners are stupid enough uh, and they feel self-righteous enough and they feel like their pockets are tight enough to drag this thing out longer than reason. Um, and I think that it behooves the players union to hold their ground on this instead of caving, uh, even if it's not necessarily good for the short term of baseball. If you ask me if it's the last signing, the Cardinals will make before December 1st. I'll say they lock up Luis Garcia before then, but I don't think you're going to see anything more than that. Or maybe another bullpen, or maybe Hap, or maybe LeBlanc or something like that. But nothing nothing substantial, and I'm not even sure if they're going to add anything substantial afterwards either. Uh, I'm, I don't know what to think about the collective bargaining agreement. I'm not going to be able to provide a, a well-thought-out answer there, really. That's going to be a lot of rambling when I'm sure we get to that. Um, but, uh, you know... We'll see how we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, in seven days, uh, they've come to a, an agreement, and we're all uh, we're all celebrating their hopefully a quick return of baseball. Uh, if Mo would have gone to Twitter over the past ten years, which player would have broken his heart? If yeah, hold on, if Mo would have gone to Twitter over the past ten years, which player would have broke his heart? Good life, Sean. I need you to elaborate on that. I don't know exactly what that means, to be honest with you. I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, for a really long time, Mo did have a burner account. Uh, but he swears up and down. I've heard him talk about it a couple different times now that he's no longer on Twitter. Uh, and, and as far as, like, which player would break his heart, I don't know. You know, I, I would think, you know, Mo's the kind of guy who seems to back all of his players. You don't need to really look any further than, you know, the whole Dexter Fowler thing. You know, he backed the players. I would imagine that... Mo would be more disappointed in us, not us as fans, because the Pad people are awesome, but like people who are tweeting at players than anything else, if that's exactly how you mean it. Sarah Ann says, take your shirt off. Uh, the shirt stays on. Look, it's gotten, this body is no longer a wonderland. It is a vast wasteland. Uh, Cardsfan022 says, with the season ton had, can we expect that every season or can he get even better? Cardinalfan022, uh, I've been on record for years now almost since the Cardinals traded for him, as saying that I thought Tyler O'Neill would be like a Chris Davis-esque uh, offensive performer with better defense. Now, at the minor league level, I didn't expect him to be the to put up the defense that he's put up. Uh, I always thought he'd be a prototypical left fielder, uh, uh, and that's where he would excel his best. Um, but I never thought he'd be like a perennial gold glove winner. Now, the gold glove is whatever. Last year's gold glove means more than this year's gold glove because they went by the metrics. So, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I believe that this is the type of Tyler O'Neill that we're going to see every year um, with varying levels of K-rate, varying levels of home runs. Now, I do think that there's reason to be concerned because of the strikeout rate that it might regress. I think anybody will tell you, any smart baseball mind will tell you that when you strike out as much as he does, that there's a serious concern about regression and quick regression. I personally believe that the, the Tyler O'Neill that I saw in 2021 is the same Tyler O'Neill that I watched night in and night out night out in the minor leagues. And uh, that's a player who sticks around for years and years as a contributor. Real fast, I need water. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I've hardly drink 
booze. I've got a beer here we haven't even talked about yet. And uh, barely, barely touched a bourbon, and here I am drinking water. D. Scrage says, 11 million is what average pitchers are getting now. Hell, some league average guys are getting 15. Yeah, you know, that's that's where I'm at, too. You know, like, look, uh, Steven Matz is not going to win a Cy Young. He's probably not going to get any Cy Young votes. You know, uh, best case scenario, his best season with the Cardinals is what Wayno put up this past year. Um, but, yeah, like $11 million. We saw uh, D. Sclafani get 12 or 11. We saw Alex Wood get 10. I would put him... You know, Alex Wood has age, which is a little different, but I'd put him right in that category. The, the numbers check out to me. Hey, Matt Thompson, what up, bro? Matt, what is up with you? Real fast, since Matt is in here, I want to take a second to talk about how awesome of a dude Matt is, and I also want to take an extra second to talk about how awesome of a website Prospects After Prospects After Dark Prospects Live is. They're doing some cutting edge stuff, uh, and, and they're going to be implementing tools to better evaluate prospects and to better give fans an idea of what prospects are capable of. You really need to be watching Prospects Live, uh, whether it be on Twitter or subscribing to their Patreon. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, that's I, I would recommend that for you guys. Uh, it's like 10 bucks a month. It's worth it. Their data is going to be cutting edge. It's already cutting edge. It's already top shelf. Uh, but they're pushing it to another level. Everyone should check that out. Matt, uh, to you, sir, I'm going to raise my glass of Montana beer. Uh, Montucky. This goes to you and my brother Mike. Uh, this is a cold snack, as it were, and it's delicious. And if you find it, you should try it. It's just like what I call Northwestern Hoosier beer. It's like the Bush of the West. Uh, uh, Jay Hart1273 says, What about the signing of James Nail and the invite to spring training? Yeah, look. Uh, I for uh, over a couple years now, I've been the guy who says any arm that you can bring in, sign them to a minor league deal. Bring every minor league, uh, minor league free agent in that you can. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. Uh, I like the Kyle Ryan signing. I think both Nail and Ryan are are great signings on minor league deals. Yeah, bring them all in. Look, the Cardinals organization was kind of trashed, specifically at the beginning of the year last year, uh, because the pitching was terrible. Uh, other than with some exceptions. But the pitching really struggled. I like that. I like it. There are wild cards. Anything could happen. Load up with those guys, and you never know. I grant, you know, Luis Garcia throws 98, 99 miles an hour. That's a whole different thing. But you never know who's going to be the next TJ McFarland. Who's going to be the next, um, you know, John Brebbia. Just keep bringing them in. Bring in all the arms you can. Uh, Matt Thompson says, give me Seager or we die. Uh, I, you know, if, if I'm taking out the, like, reasonable... Uh, trying to think logically and practically about this, yeah, Corey Seager would be ideal. Like, the fan in me wants Corey Seager more than any other player on the market. You know, honestly, like, what a fun player. What a dynamic player. Now, the you know, the left-handed bat the Cardinals talk about wanting still. Problem with Seager is he isn't a great defensive shortstop. And, I, you know, I, I don't think the Cardinals – I mean, I personally, I think he's better than DeYoung, regardless of what the metrics say, but um, – uh, you know, I just it doesn't seem like a Cardinals move to me. Not only because he's going to cost money, but because right now, like they understand that pitching and defense is how they're going to win games, and uh, uh, you know, specifically pitching that leads to defense. So I, uh, I just don't think uh, I don't think that that's going to be the, the way that they go. Unfortunately, but I'm with you. I I'll tell you, I would actually die. I think if they assign Corey Seager, uh, Cards Clone said. Can Oviedo be effective in the rotation next year? For me, cards, clones, you know, I don't think so. To me, Oviedo is kind of at that spot that Henesis Cabrera was two years ago, right? Like, you 
you know, Hennessy had a had an issue tipping his pitches, and that's not what Oviedo has. But like, I think we're kind of at the point with Oviedo, and he's still young, and all this could change. You know, he could uh, get his emotions under control. He could get his body a little bit better under control. And for me, like, I see him rushing, and I think that's a direct um, product of his emotions maybe getting the best of him. And I think that when he's rushing, I think he's throwing his mechanics out of whack. I think he throws cleaner from the windup than he does the stretch. Uh, but uh, anyways, what I was getting at with Hennessy Cabrera and Johan Oviedo is I think that by and large at this point, your best bet is to maybe have an opportunity to make Johan Oviedo an important part of the bullpen. But that all comes down to, you know, if he's ready or not. Again, I don't think anything's wrong with going into the 2022 season, if there is a 2022 season, with Johan Oviedo and Matthew Libertor as your sixth and seventh starter or your seventh and eighth with Jay Happ or Wade LeBlanc as the sixth. Like, Ideally, that's what I would like. You know, uh, I've got my own thoughts about Jake Woodford, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. But that's how I would uh, I'd stagger that. Uh, Steele says, "Give us Brad Miller. We love that Brad. Uh, uh, that Brad Miller. Oh man." So B DeRuza DeRose eighty nine, whose name the last pad he uh, DeRouza is that what it is? I'm sorry, you're gonna have to do it again. Uh, DeRoach, that's it. Uh, 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 hello, and it's Deroosh, Deros, uh, not Deroosh, uh, Deroosh, uh, good luck, thank you, hello, uh, Deroosh, welcome to Prospects After Dark, Jay David says, are you pregnant, to pregnancy, to being pregnant as a man, I raise my glass of booze, I'll tell you, we had Thanksgiving dinner at my mom's tonight, and she made turkey, and I made beef tenderloin, and then she had her, uh, dressing, and green bean casserole, and uh, her 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 man friend made um, uh, sweet potato pie, and it was incredible. And let me tell you right now, I feel like I got a baby. It's like a baby's head poking out of my anus. Cardsfan022 says, well, we haven't done pads since the Marmol hiring and shield firing. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, we did a little hit on that with conversations with Saruti. I would check that out if you haven't already. Uh, but my thoughts are, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's whatever. All, all, all Ali Marmol is, is a younger, uh, more modern version of Mike Schilt, really. He's a little bit more hard-nosed than Schilt is, uh, but not in, like, a bad way. Like, I personally, I think I think Marmol is more suited, better suited to be a manager, uh, uh, whereas maybe the bench coach role might be best for Schilt. Although, Schilt's going to go somewhere and be a manager and be good uh, uh, or do whatever he ends up doing, whatever that ends up being. He's a, he's a fine baseball mind. He's a fine gentleman. Uh, he'll be good. But, yeah, you know, my thought is uh, all managers are bad except for the really great ones. You know, the thing about baseball, and I've become – I've started to, like, realize this more and more, is the thing about baseball is everybody's kind of really bad except for the really good players, right? The really good players, the really good managers, the really good umpires. Uh, they're all – everyone else is kind of trash, and that's the nature of baseball, right? Uh, it's the whole – if you hit the ball three out of every ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. If you – uh, strike out, blah, 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 you're a Hall of Famer. Like, everyone else is kind of trash except for, like, the elites. Uh, and Mike Schultz isn't an elite. He didn't know really how to manage a 26-man roster. That's something Ali Marmol is going to be asked to do. He was starting to fall into the same categories and uh, uh, characteristic traits that we saw to Mike Matheny. Uh, again, not all of them, some of them. Uh, and he was still a way better manager than Matheny was. Uh, but you could see things happening that were alarming. So... Uh, yeah, look, uh, as long as Ali Marmol is willing to maximize this lineup, and when I say maximize the lineup, I mean I mean, pitching matchups, I mean lineup matchups, I mean get uh, get hot hitters more at-bats, 
Uh, as long as he's willing to do stuff like that and not fall onto the old, uh, fill out the, the lineup with the same eight guys every day, uh, not willing to learn about how to use a bullpen, uh, not willing to overwork guys in segments, uh, then then it's a, it's a bad move. But I, I think it's a good move, all things considered. Uh, is he ready for it? Yeah, I think I think he's ready for it. It's probably early, but you know, I was 29 years old managing people who were twice my age as a supervisor uh, in a construction field. And sure, you have to kind of earn your respect, but uh, more than likely, Ali's earned his respect. So uh, yeah, that's my thoughts. You know, uh, Mike Schilt's a good manager. Uh, I wish him all the luck. Uh, I don't think it's that much of a loss to lose him. I think the manager of the year vote is a joke. Uh, the fact that he got more votes. Uh, uh, then Brian Snicker shows how much of a joke that that vote is. Uh, the team was one game over 500 in September before a 17 game win streak. Uh, so you know maybe we don't uh, uh, you know uh, stroke his dick too much if 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 I may say so. Um, GM Gersh says I would love I'd been at short. How did Gorman look defensively in the minors at second base? GM Gersh, I love you. You're one of my favorite people. Read my shit at Birds on the Black. No, uh, he looked really good. It was really rough at first, but it got progressively better to the point where at the end of the season in AAA at Memphis, he was really, like, advanced. It was really impressive to watch him. Uh, I loved it. I, at least I was impressed. Now, he's he still does a couple things. He has some issues to work out, especially with, like, the relay. Like, that's one thing he's okay at. He needs to get better. He's still he's good on the turn, and since his arm is so strong, he can get away with maybe being a little less mechanically inclined there. Uh, and sometimes he fires the ball over at the first baseman uh, uh, as he's, like, 30, 30 feet away from him. Uh, that can be a little rough sometimes. Like, Goldschmidt won't have trouble with it, but an, uh, an inferior first baseman might. Uh, so, yeah, like, there's just a couple things to work on here and there. But I, I would say right now he's minor league average there with the chance to be, like Jose Okendo said, you know, major league average or better. Um, you know, I, I guess we all have different ideas of what above average is, and I know that you can grade it out uh, to give it a, you know, a grade to make, you know, to show you what averages are above. Uh, but I don't know. I just think, I think he'll be fine at second base. He's not going to be Edmund. He's not going to be Colton Wong. You know, uh, I think that I was telling uh, uh, Brian Swope on uh, on uh, uh, on his Yacker show yesterday, and you can listen to that podcast. Um, I, I was telling him that I could envision a situation where in two years, you know, Nolan Gorman is the second base version of Paul DeYoung when Paul DeYoung was an effective shortstop. So, uh, you know, tell me what that that makes you feel like. That's that's what I think. Matty Ice. Hey, Matty Ice. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, sad luck on Cardinals organization players in the DWL. Uh, uh, this year. Yeah. 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 Sad stuff. Look, I, uh, I don't, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I'm not paying much attention to what's going on in the Dominican winter league. What I've really enjoyed about the Dominican winter league is getting, uh, getting updates from all of the Caribbean leagues about Aliris Montero. Uh, that's really all I care about these days. That's all that matters to me. Iowa-X says, do the Cardinals give Reyes a legit shot at starting? I wouldn't think at this point. No, no, I wouldn't think, you know, uh, there was a rumor floating around that what, what we were about ready to see out of the Cardinals was something similar to, like, using Reyes as an opener and maybe Hicks kind of having that same role where they'd get one time through the lineup to start. Um, I, think that, I, I think that spring training will be an indication. I would love to see the Cardinals get modern. You know, my hope, part of, part of my hope with firing Schilt and, uh, and hiring Marmol is that the organizational mandate would be, hey, look, let's get more modern with some of these pitchers. Like, 
Let's not let's stop using Alex Reyes in high leverage situations. Uh, he's also might not be ready to be a full time starter. Let's use him as an opener who might be able to go an inning or two or potentially three every fifth or sixth day. Yeah, like that. That's what I like to see. Uh, is, is there a legit shot? It doesn't seem like it now, specifically with Mats, right? Because the Cardinals have five rotation spots that are pretty well filled out. Matt Stromer says, "I love Kamish, but recently he said Delvin could be the shortstop of the future based on his 2021." Uh, yeah, you know, I would imagine that uh, that Kamish probably gets. Uh, I, so let me, I'll be honest with you. Like, as I'm saying this out loud, I could see Kamish and Bill DeWitt Jr. like sitting down and having uh, tea, uh, 19 or like 1776 style, uh, uh, you know, uh, England, uh, 1876 style England, where they're sitting and eating tea and uh, drinking tea and eating crumpets. Like, uh, and Mr. DeWitt probably thinks that all the players could be good because that's what Mr. LaRock thinks. And uh, they're they're informing each other. So, yeah, you know, uh, I love Kamish. I am grateful for the work he's done. He's a little out of touch now, a little. Uh, but uh, to the Kamish, we raise our glass. Again, I'm, I'm trying to be better about not being such a douchebag because I hate being a douchebag. Uh, and I am a douchebag. So to Kamish. Like 40 minutes in and I'm not nearly drunk. Hey, Spaghetti Jones, what's up, dog? How are you? James Jedi 76 says, can the Blues come back to win this game? I don't even know what's going on. Is it still three to two? Uh, let me, I'll turn this thing on. Uh, no, they can't. That, I mean, they can, but they can't, really. They can't. I'll tell you, the one thing frustrating thing about the Blues, James Jedi 76, is that they really play down to their competition. Like, they seemed like they were standing around against the Red Wings, and uh, they seemed like they were standing around against the Coyotes, too. And then, you know, they go full throttle. They lost 4-2. to two. Uh, No, they cannot. Perfect. Um, yeah, they just seem to play down to their competition. Uh, let's see. Will Bader and O'Neill be extended this offseason? No, James Jedi 76. I'll tell you what. I've been listening to a lot more sports talk radio lately. Look at how big my head looks on this thing. Uh, I've been listening to a lot more sports talk radio lately. And I heard Dan McLaughlin, like, off the cuff say that it might be hard to sign a player who comes from a more uh, – to an extension – uh, that comes from a more affluent area. They might not have to worry about money that way. And that makes me think, and I'm reading too much into it, that the Cardinals probably went to Harrison Bader at some point and were like, hey, would you like to sign an extension? And he was like, hey, I'm already a rich bitch. I don't have to sign an extension. I'll wait to see how it goes. Uh, I'll try to earn my money elsewhere uh, or a bigger money somewhere, uh, even if it's with the Cardinals. Uh, instead of just buying out my arbitration years, I'll play for those years and then become a free agent and make real money. Uh, so I don't think it's going to happen with Bader, even if the Cardinals want it. And I don't know if it'll happen with O'Neill or not. Like, I do think that the Cardinals are in a position where it'd be smart to try to lock up, you know, one of the players, if not multiple, at this point. At least, if for, if for no other reason than budget certainty. You know, I know people beat up the Paul DeYoung contract. But, I mean, that's, that's movable. That's not a bad contract. You know, even if he's not playing well, it's not like it's a hampering contract. Uh, it might hamper your return for him. But, like, it's not bad. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they extend someone. I'm not sure if it's going to be Bader or O'Neill or someone else. I just don't think it's going to be Bader. Raymond Herring says, how much of the $790 million settlement goes to Ballpark Village? All of it. Uh, build Ballpark Village next to Ballpark Village. I think with the, the settlement money that the city of St. Louis and the county are getting, I think they should build the world's biggest arch. Braden Brown says, will the Cardinals give Matt Carpenter $790 million? I think if the opportunity presented itself, they would. Uh, uh, A. Kribel, uh 13 says, best time to go to Springfield, beginning of the season, middle, end. Yeah, you know, I in my mind, like, uh, you, first off, in my mind, you would want to see what the rosters look like. Uh, because 
Like this year, I would imagine that to start the year, you'll have Jordan Walker. You'll have some of the draft picks. Uh, uh, I don't know if they'll be as aggressive with McGreevy. I wouldn't be surprised if McGreevy starts at Peoria uh, before making his, his move to Springfield if and when it comes. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think Springfield, maybe not right at the beginning of the season, but shortly thereafter would be a good time to go to Springfield. Keep an eye on the roster. Keep an eye on the Peoria roster. Keep an eye on the Springfield roster uh, and make your decision accordingly. I'll help inform you there, too. I will also say that Springfield as a town is kind of an okay town. It's kind of a fun little college town, so it's always good to visit it whenever you can. Uh, DeRoos says, yes, the last one was perfect. I don't even know what I'm saying most of the time. Graham says, hey, big guy, you would know, Graham. No, hey, Graham, to you, I raised my my glass of beer. Uh, are you 21 yet? Are you, You're like 19 now, right? Or 20, am I wrong? Oh, that Montucky's a good beer. Graham asks, is Edmundo Sosa a better option to start at short than to young when he was a rookie? This is a tough one for me to answer. And let me tell you why it's a tough one for me to answer. Because I was super bullish on Paul DeYoung when he was a rookie. Uh, and the Edmundo Sosa that I felt like I saw at the major league level in 2021 really wasn't anything resembling the minor league version at the high levels of Edmundo Sosa that I saw in 2019. Uh, you know, that time that he had off in 2020, like he did, he got, I guess he got bigger and stronger. He maybe reasserted himself, had a different approach. You know, uh, also like it seemed like major league pitchers weren't just beating him with high heat, which was happening a lot at the minors and then polishing him off with shit in the dirt. Uh, uh so anyways, that's a long way of saying that Tommy Edmond is the best option at short with a different second baseman. Uh, GM Gersh says one, yep, as an Alec Burleson gets shots at the DH in the majors. Uh, we'll see how the outfield situation shakes out. I would assume that if the DH is in the NL next year, that Juan Yepes would be a bench bat for the Cardinals, who gets a lot of those at-bats pretty quickly. I would hope so. I think he's earned it. I think he deserves it. And I think he's going to keep working this offseason to make sure that he, he continues to earn it and deserve it. Uh, and as far as Burleson goes, like, you know, the Cardinals were still... Now, in the, in the write-up of Alec Burleson, we talked about this. After, like, it took him, like, a couple... 100 plate appearances to get used to what was going on at AAA. And then in the last month of the season, he went back to hitting how he hit at the lower levels of the minor leagues. The Cardinals rushed him a little bit, and he earned that rush. He earned the ability to be rushed. But I still don't think it hurts them, especially with the outfield depth that they have, uh, to slow it down with him a little bit. Like, if he spent the whole year at Memphis, that I don't think it'd be the worst thing for him. It would also be a good sign of what was going on with the Cardinals. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that hurts him at all. Uh, Graham says, Libertor, career outlook closer to Steven Match or Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm not necessarily as high on Matthew Libertor as some other scouting services are. Now, keep in mind that when I say that, like, some people have kind of touted him as, like, a potential number one or number two. I've I've never thought that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of have a track record against that. To me, he's always been like a middle of the rotation who might be able to have like a Lance Lynn season here or there, uh, minus the strikeouts. Um, but maybe even then. Uh, but yeah, he's always just kind of seemed like a really solid bet to be a middle of the rotation to back end of the rotation starter. And that seems to be what Steven Matz is because for a while there, Gio was one of the most effective uh, left-handed pitchers in all of baseball. So, yeah, you know, I think I think if you're talking about, like, the optimistic version, you would say maybe Gio Gonzalez. And if you wanted to talk about the more realistic version, you would say Steven Matz. And you know me, I tend to go a little bit more realistic. Uh, I think the best way to describe my view of Matthew Libertor is that 
the best of the most likely outcomes is him as Steven Matz. Uh, Cards Clone says, will they get their heads out of their asses and give Helsley a chance to start? No, unfortunately not Cards Clones. Yeah, that's one of the biggest mistakes, uh, in my opinion, that they've made over the last couple of years. You know, I, I mentioned a little while ago about maybe committing Johan Oviedo to the bullpen in a role similar to Henesis Cabrera. Well, you know, part of the reason the Cardinals were in the position that they were and lacking starting depth uh, was because they moved those guys to the bullpen when they probably should have gotten a start in the rotation, a real chance in the rotation. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I wish they would. I, I You know, his, uh, his knee is progressing well. He's getting healthy. And I would love to see them give him a real chance. But especially now with the Matt signing, it really feels like those five spots are locked down. Graham asked, what is your expectations for Zach Thompson in 2022? Graham, you know, my expectations are to... Uh, a normalizing of his his 2021 season. Like, I don't think he's, after that last season, I don't think he's as good as maybe he showed in spring training here or there. I don't think he's going to be that. Uh, I worry about his command long term. Uh, but I also don't think he's nearly as bad as the stats would tell you. And the 2021 stats would tell you. I also don't think that he was as effective in Arizona uh, with his his stellar performance in the Arizona Fall League. I think he's probably some combination of those two. Uh, so my expectations are just a normalizing of his stats. You know, a fit probably in the 4-3 range, maybe an ERA around 4-1, uh, something like that. The key for him, uh, and again, I hope you guys understand that I don't mean this to beat up on these kids. I only mean it to inform. And I try my hardest to be as unbiased and as clear-headed in these evaluations as possible. I've been saying it for months and months and months. The The big thing with Zach Thompson is if he can just keep confident in himself, if he can not be frustrated with himself, if he can keep his mechanics in command, like if he can command his body within his, his motion, I think that'll be huge for him. But he needs to throw strikes. He needs to get ahead of batters. Uh, his stuff... You know, I would like to see his velocity stay in the 92, 93 range, get higher than that. You know, most of the time in the year it was 90, 91, maybe even lower than 90 here and there for, for periods of time. I would love to see that velocity stay up. Uh, but the main key for him to, to increase success is to get ahead of hitters. And he was so bad at that in 2021. Uh, so if, if he can do that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to normalize those stats, and I think it will. Hey, freaking cards, happy turkey day. To you, freaking cards, I raised this amazing mug uh, from Birds on the Black to you. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you this year. I love you with all my heart. Uh, to answer your fuck, Mary kill of sweet potato casserole stuffing and mashed potatoes, uh, my mom calls stuffing dressing because we're German in descent. Uh, uh, so my mom's dressing followed by her sweet, well, my mom hates sweet potato casserole, but I love sweet potato casserole. So I would, if I'm ranking them, I'm doing stuffing, my mom's dressing, uh, sweet potato casserole and mashed potatoes. And if I'm F, if I'm marrying them, killing them, and fucking them, uh, I'm killing mashed potatoes. I'm fucking dressing, and I'm marrying sweet potato casserole. I got that sweet tooth. Uh, 20 or something, Graham. Good. Good. I need you to age up for me, boy. Uh, GM Gersh says, Walker is exceeding expectations quickly. Is Walker up there with the top, top prospects you've covered? GM Gersh, you know, again, uh, I wrote about it in Prospect 1A. I should, I should probably start retweeting this stuff out. Again, go to Prospect or go to Birds on the Black. All of the dirty prospect write-ups are up there. Prospects 1 through 40, we did a dirty flirty, a dirty 40, along with annexes that covered an additional 20 prospects. 
And then on Black Friday, I'm going to release write-ups on about another 35 guys. Uh, short little short little bursts where you can actually view media of each guy so you have an idea of what they look like. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, uh, again, I think sometimes, you know me, I hate to get caught up in comparing players to legends or comparing players to perennial all-stars, etc., etc., etc. Especially when a player is really only in their first year within an organization affiliated baseball. But what we'll say about Jordan Walker is there are... He did so much that there are few people that have come through the Cardinals organization that did what he did uh, uh, in the last 30 years specifically. Take that for whatever it is. He, he's gotten off to as good of a minor league career as the Cardinals have had in three decades, maybe. And that's exciting. So take that, take that for whatever that is. Uh, I, I'll say, again, he... If he can get his body more in adult shape than kid shape, even though he's big and strong and he isn't fat or anything like that, he's just still kind of like a baby fat. If he can, and you know, it's not like baby fat. He still is like a mature uh, human. If he can get that stuff in like adult baseball shape, and if he can clean up his defense a little bit, I mean, he's, he could play a corner outfield easy. I have no doubt about that. Uh, but if he can just maybe mature a little bit, get a little bit older, yeah, look, I think that there's a real chance that Jordan Walker – uh, outside of like your top 10 picks from 2020, the 2020 draft, there's a real chance that Jordan Walker could be the best player from that draft uh, from, a, from an offensive standpoint specifically. Uh, let's see. Sarah Ann says, how many hard-boiled eggs can you eat in one sitting? 1,000. I can eat 1,000 hard-boiled eggs and 800 uh, sliders from White Castles. Uh, Cardinals fan 22 says, from what I've seen from Yepes, I am hopeful they give him a legit shot next year. Yeah, look, you know, he's kind of a... He's kind of pigeonholed because his best position is probably third base. Honestly, his best defensive position is probably third base, uh, which, again, Nolan Arenado. And then first base would probably be his second best position, and that's Paul Goldschmidt. He hasn't played a lot of corner outfield, and you can tell he's not comfortable out there. That doesn't mean spending an entire offseason out there won't make him comfortable. I could see that happening. Uh, he's a smart kid who will dedicate himself and get as comfortable as possible out there. Uh, but, yeah, so really the legit shot kind of all depends on if the DH is there because uh, otherwise you're talking about him getting a handful of at-bats here and there, uh, kind of like Luke Voigt did all of those years before Luke Voigt was traded and became uh, a, a very valuable player for the Yankees, which is always the concern with these players. Uh, but that will come down to the manager. You know, if the DH isn't there, it will be on the manager to find a way to get one. Yep, has at-bats if Yep, has is on the roster. And let's be honest, like, there are not – 13 better hitters in the Cardinals organization than Juan Yepes right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, GM Gersh, Avon Herrera. Uh, where does he start in the minors this upcoming year? Player count for him? Yeah, I, we just released Avon Herrera today, GM Gersh. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't really have much of a player count. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off of that player count. I think he's a very unique player. I think he'll start. I need. I, he'll start in triple I. But. You know, it's tough to comp Herrera because you're talking about a kid who's been substantially younger than nearly every league he's played in, uh, who just came into power without compromising his approach at the plate. The K's kicked up a little bit, but the walk rate was good. He never dipped below uh, an on-base percentage of 300 during the season. Uh, his arm is strong. He's become a better, better catcher, and he's still super young. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know the league well enough anymore to feel like I could make a player comp with him. I feel like he's kind of his own unique player here. I, I think he's becoming a better defender. I think he's going to be able to stick as a defensive center or a defensive catcher at the major league level. You know, he's not going to be Yachty, 
but you know he's not going to be early struggle Kisner either. Uh, there's there's more than that. He has more power than maybe some of like real power, real in game power than some of the other prospects that have come up from a catcher standpoint. You know more than Kelly, more than Kisner, and. He can take a walk and work a count kind of like how Kisner can or kind of like how Kelly used to be able to, especially both of their times in the fall league, Kisner and Kelly. So he's just kind of a unique prospect who kind of operates independently uh, of, of other um, comparisons, unfortunately. Uh, but, look, I, I know a lot of people will look at his stat line and say Yvonne Herrera had a down year in 2021. But to me, that was an impressive, impressive year from that young man. And, uh, you know, good for him. Good for him. Uh, I think he's close to Major League Ready. I think he's getting there. I'm hopeful that he gets to spend all, except for maybe September, depending on how all that goes, but uh, gets to spend all of 2021 at the minor league level. Graham says, do you think Mo was surprised that the results of Plumber to Mets have figured that was going to happen? I think most surprised. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. I think most surprised that they could not re-sign Nick Plummer. I think that Mo uh, was surprised that Nick Plummer decided to elect free agency. I would be willing to bet that Mr. Mazalak offered Nick Plummer substantial money to be a minor league free agent, and Nick Plummer decided to bet on himself. Uh, I will also say that I'd be willing to bet that Nick Plummer was offered more than one major league contract uh, with teams, and that the Mets are the best fit because of their thin outfield depth. Um, I think John Mazalak played this wrong. I think he's so concerned about pitching, and maybe reasonably so, and also middle infield, uh, and maybe reasonably so, that he viewed the value of that open spot more than uh, uh, more than the value of the player, thinking about the outfield depth. Now, the Cardinals have outfield depth for sure. And, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of an aberration in um, uh, what – Nick Plummer did in 2021. Like, I, I get that. Uh, but they're wrong. Uh, I think he just overplayed his hand, and it didn't go the way he thought. And uh, uh, I'm happy for Nick Plummer. Nick Plummer deserves a shot at a major league roster, and I would imagine he's going to get it. And that is exciting because he deserves it. And, uh, you know, you can get as mad as you want about Adolis Garcia and the Cardinals trading him for 25K or whatever it was. Uh, I'm not going to get upset about that because Adolis was kind of trash at the time. He was kind of trash at the minor league level. Uh, he had one really good month that year before the Cardinals traded him. Uh, but I get why they traded him. And, you know, other than the start of the year, he was kind of trash after that. So keep that in mind. I understand why the Cardinals let Patrick Wisdom go. Like, that makes a lot of sense to me, too. Uh, I understand trading Randy or Rosarena. Like, yeah, I hated it. I got it. Uh, and I justified it for the organization. Uh, but, you know, I hated it. Randy's one of my favorite prospects ever. Uh, but, like, I get it. Uh, I do not understand the Nick Plummer move in any way. It doesn't get any more poor of roster management than what the Cardinals did there. Uh, just just poor, poor, poor. Uh, so, for that, uh, we say, this is one of those rare instances where I'm going to say, fuck the Cardinals. You guys fucked up. You fucked up big time. you got to own that shit. Uh, and here's the Nick Plummer going and being a serviceable, league average-ish outfielder, if not more than that, for the New York Mets. Uh, GM Gersh says, sorry, haven't been able to look at it yet. 
We'll do the weekend. Appreciate you so much. No, you're fine. Hey, look, Jim Gersh, it gives me a chance to talk about it. Um, I know that Cardinals Gifts, the lovely and talented Cardinals Gifts, is working on building the landing page for all the Dirty Flirty articles. Uh, we have an adjustment to make. You know, Nick Plummer was my number eight prospect on the Dirty Flirty. We have to move everybody up. And then what I'm going to do is uh, Dionis Rodriguez is going to move from 35 to 34, and everybody ahead of him is going to move up one spot until – you know, the A spot is filled. And then I'm going to move Alec Willis from the six men out to prospect number 35. Uh, uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm just doing that because I want to do it. I've also said over and over again that, like, prospects 25 through, like, 40 in particular, 25 through 50 could probably really go in any order. I think that a lot of those guys are kind of jumbled. It just depends on what you like or what you don't like. Uh, so I'm putting Alec Willis, the Cardinal seventh-round draft pick, who they signed for a million dollars out of high school, the prep arm. Uh, the prep variety, the big prep variety. I'm going to make him my 35th prospect. So Gifts is working on the landing page. We have a few augmentations to make to the list. Uh, and then all of that will be available on Birds on the Black. Now, I also, while I'm rambling, I'm ranting here. I want to say uh, I can't tell you how happy and how lucky I feel to have Cardinals Gifts uh, uh, doing all of the pictures. Like, uh, the, what Cardinals Gifts has been able to do with with the pictures on these write-ups, like, they energize me. They get me excited. They're so awesome. And then on Friday, I'm going to release – oh, boy, I guess we're going to talk about this, huh? On Friday, uh, in honor of Black Friday, in honor of the anniversary of Cardinals Gifts starting Birds on the Black uh, with Joe Schwartz and Zach Gifford and Alex Crisofoli and myself um, – in honor of that, I have three more prospect articles to write. One is the Dirty Flirty, an argument. And in the argument, I'm going to give my thoughts, some ideas, um, some concerns or some ideas that I have about the Cardinals organization as a whole. And also, I'm going to, for the first time, uh, rank my top 40 prospects based on how I like them, uh, my biased top 40 prospects. And then I'm also going to rank... The top 21 prospects based on ceiling and the top 21 prospects based on highest floor, uh, which are both kind of a mess. I don't really know what to do with that. That's more just like, hey, here's something fun to do. Let's see if it works. Uh, and I hope you enjoy that. The other articles that will come out on Friday are the Shrine Part 1 hitter or pitchers and the Shrine Part 2 hitters. And in total, that's another 35-ish or so, 30 to 40 prospects with quick little write-ups about who they are, um, along with at least one GIF or one video of what that player looks like and what they do. I'm also probably going to throw their stat line in there, too. I just haven't decided yet about that, um, so that you can see that. And then we'll have that to go on throughout the year, at least something for everybody to see. So in total this year, we've gone over 100 prospects within the Cardinals organization. I promised you when I started the Dirty Flirty that I would give you the most intense and extensive look into the Cardinals organization that you've ever seen. And uh, I'm not too proud right now uh, uh, to say that I've, I believe that I have provided this for the audience. Uh, also, Ben Cerruti and I are going to record podcasts for each set of five groups. So 36 through 40, 31 through 35, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And hopefully Stu Styles will get involved in that. Uh, and so we'll have podcast versions of all of the Dirty Flirty Prospects for you, and uh, maybe some more stuff along the way too. So uh, again, the the reason I bring up the 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 argument, uh, an argument, the shrine, an argument, 
uh, is the pictures that GIFs made for these articles are overwhelmingly good. Like, uh, they, are, they are beautiful and wonderful. And what I view as high art uh, for a blog. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. And if you don't, you can get fucked, honestly, because they're so amazing. Uh, but uh, this gives me a chance also, as I ramble on about and avoid your questions, uh, this gives me a chance to also tell everybody just how important Cardinal's Gifts is to me and our friendship. Uh, I'm only on Twitter now because Cardinal Gifts is still here. I'm only writing now because Cardinal Gifts is still here. I'm only engaged in prospect stuff because of Cardinal Gifts. Uh, if he's not involved, I'm not involved, and I can just go on living my little reclusive life, my sad little, sad little recl reclusive life. Uh, uh, so uh, I take a drink of beer to Cardinal's Gifts. I take a drink of bourbon to Cardinal's Gifts. And I don't drink water to Cardinal's Gifts, brother. You're my brother in arms, and I'm so lucky to call you a friend. Uh, John Heyman fan says, Baez the biggest riser in 2022. Well, no, Baez right now would be my 10th prospect. He was technically 11th, but I'll move up to 10th. Uh, if you're going to talk about biggest riser, you know, Ryan Holgate is my 28th prospect. I could see him rising fast. Um, uh, Austin Love, he's going to rise fast. Now, a lot of other organizations or a lot of other ranking services will have both of those guys higher. So that's probably not fair. You know, one guy who's on my dirty flirty, number 20 on my list, 19 now, is Gordon Graceffo. The uh, fourth round pick out, you know, out of Villanova. Um, I could see him going from like not being on anybody's list to all of a sudden being at like triple A by the end of the year. I think he could be a big riser. Um, in that article, an argument, I, I put my my biggest sleepers, biggest deep sleepers, and biggest deep deep sleepers at one for each. Uh, Position player and pitcher. And then when we get to deep, deep sleepers, I give like four of each. Uh, so, yeah, like uh, uh, Baez, look, a lot of people are going to have Baez in their top five or top eight prospects. I just practice a little bit more caution and things like this. Uh, more than likely, there's a chance that Baez could be this year's Jordan Walker. So um, maybe not easy to call him the biggest riser in 2020. I would have to look a little bit further back for that and to those names that I mentioned. Friggin' cards, I love you, buddy. I love you. Uh, we'll do it again next year. I hope so. Yeah, and, you know, I need I need to make my way out to uh, Arizona for the Arizona Fall League to visit your brother, too. Uh, Iowa Neck, what happened with Luke and, what happens with Luke and Baker, do you think? The Cardinals... So, of all the players that the Cardinals didn't protect in, in 20, uh, uh, 2021 from the Rule 5 draft, uh, Luke and Baker was the most surprising to me. What happens? The Cardinals, in my opinion, are, are banking on... Um, you know, in baseball, like a right-handed hitting first baseman exclusively doesn't have that much, doesn't carry that much weight. Like teams aren't really interested in that. Like the value of that isn't super high. And I think the Cardinals are banking on that and they're probably banking on it right. Um, I hope he's not selected in the rule five. Uh, if I'm an organization, I would select him in the rule five. You know, I can think of 10 organizations right now. The Pirates, if I'm the Pirates, he's, he's a player I'm looking at. Why not? And then, you know, you put him up against... The Cardinals, you know, what is it, multiple games a year, multiple series a year? Uh, yeah, like, I, I hope he's not selected, but if I was another organization, it's something that I would think about for sure, especially at first base. Like, uh, there are a lot of really bad teams out there that probably have nothing to lose by playing Luke and Baker at first base, uh, and if it doesn't pan out, you know, um, pivoting and just sending him back to the Cardinals or whatever, or working out a trade to keep him in the organization. Sarah says, good for Juan Yepes, though. Yeah, good for Juan Yepes. 
Thoughts on the Ward hiring, or doesn't the assistant hitting coach really matter? Uh, so, you know, a lot of the Hispanic players, but a lot of players in general really love Jobel Jimenez. Uh, I'm sad to see him go. He's definitely a Schilt loyalist. Um, sad to see Jobel go. Uh, I'm excited for Turner Ward. I don't really have much of a feel for, um, like, what he's going to do. I know that he seems like a gap bridger. Uh, obviously, he's got a good connection with Paul Goldschmidt. But, you know, I know his role is mostly to be a gap bridger between uh, what what Jeff Albert does and what how players, like, employ it, uh, but also to kind of be a, uh, uh, a translator and all of that as well. Um, I know that uh, he's reached out to uh, players to get going this offseason. Uh, he seems to be making an impact early on. So my thoughts are, yeah, look, I, I, I think the I think the hitting coach is a little overblown. I think the pitching coach is overblown. I think bench coach is a really important role. Uh, so the assistant to all of the hitting and pitching coach probably doesn't matter all that much. But just like with any job, if you have a people in management positions that can connect with the employees, then it creates and fosters a better atmosphere, a better environment for learning and performing. So it looks like a pretty good thing. Uh, Avon Herrera says, or Avon Herrera, Graham says, fuck, Mary kill, Avon Herrera, Cody Stanley, or Travis Tartamella. Well, at this point, I'd like to marry Avon Herrera and hope that we have a nice 10 to 15 to 20 year uh, marriage together. Uh, I'd bang that Cody Stanley because he hit left-handed, and then I'd have to kill Travis Tartamella. Uh, uh, you know, mad props to him. Cards Clone says, best guess, does Donovan make roster out of spring? No. No, and I think, you know, if I'm hedging my bets, I'm going to say Gorman doesn't either. Uh, you know, I know Cardinals fans are down on Jose Rondon, but I think Jose Rondon's a really solid bench bat. Like, you know, you don't want him to have 200 bats a year, but if he has 100 bats, he's going to do a couple fun things here and there. Like, I don't get why there's such hate for Jose Rondon. Like, sure, I want more, and I definitely understand why other people would want more. Um, but, uh, um, you know, it, he like, he's fine. Um, but yeah, look, I would suspect that there's a time in the near future, unless he's traded, that Brendan Donovan is, uh, pretty close to the major league level, uh, if not on the major league team. And I'm excited about it. Graham says, Ed Easley. Yeah, I love that Ed Easley. Uh, Anna Ziggy 13 says, Juan Yepes deserves a lifetime contract for how incredible he is as a human. So excited to see him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to raise my glass to Juan Yepes, uh, and to Mr. Yepes. Uh, you guys are there really awesome people. Uh, uh, to you, I raise my glass. Here's to continued success for Juan Yepes as he enters uh, his major league career. Also, while I'm thinking about it, uh, I am remiss that I have not mentioned the lovely and talented and awesome uh, Jordan and uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, the amazing godfather of prospects after dark, Jason Hicks, the queen of prospects after dark, Jennifer Hicks. To the Hicks family, I raise my glass. And, of course, to the Carlson family, to uh, Mr. Carlson, to Mrs. Carlson, to Tanner Carlson. Uh, I raise my glass to Dylan, uh, another fine family, uh, you know, salt-of-the-earth human beings. Um, they're just amazing, amazing people. To the Carlsons, I raise my glass. Uh, Graham says, appreciate you spending your time to do pad. It's my pleasure. Again, like... If I could, I'd do it once a week. It's just, it's impossible for me to do now. Uh, maybe, maybe like Friday night or something like that. Maybe Saturday night. But it's so hard. You know, I, I just have so many responsibilities now and I owe it to my guys at work. I owe it to my boss at work to be on my A game 100%. 
And between like all the energy I expel for an hour, hour and a half, two hours doing pad and the booze I drink, which isn't a whole lot really when you think about it. Uh, it's not a whole lot at all as I pour more booze into my booze cup. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I just, I'm 35 years old. I have to be an adult, you know. Uh, but it's my pleasure to do pad for you guys and uh, to thank you to all of you for doing pad with me. Iowa Next says, can Randy win the Rookie of the Year again? Yeah, I think it would be hilarious if Randy, if Randy Rosarena, maybe he's eligible for the National League Rookie of the Year this time. CardsFan022 says, did the Rays pull the trigger too early on Franco? Yeah, you know, I look at the details of that contract and, they, okay, so this isn't the same thing. It's not close. It's not remotely the same thing. But if you remember a couple years ago, I was kind of on board for, I was kind of, I was full throttle on board for the Cardinal signing Bryce Harper. My thought being, especially after the terms came out, that in in 13 years, $25, 26000000 million is not going to be that much. So when you look at that, the contract for Wander Franco, pardon me, you look at the end of that contract for Wander Franco, I sure it's a little bit of money, but I don't think it's that much money. And, you know, for the Rays, it's a lot of money. But more than likely, they're going to trade in between now and then. You know that. I know that. Yeah, and sure, maybe they're pulling the trigger. Maybe they could have gotten cheaper this time next year. But I'm all for them locking him up. You know, I, I think he probably cost, you know, more than likely, he cost himself some money. But, you know, this type of player, the Juan Sotos, the, you know, a player like Juan Soto, a player like Wander Franco, a player like uh, Ronald Acuna, the only thing that stops this type of player who's that effective so early in their careers from being from having like long-term careers is that they get injured. It's not like a sudden production shortfalls. Uh, so I think it's the way to go. I think it's a smart move. Um, it might be too much money. It might be too many years. Uh, but I'm happy. I'm happy that the Rays worked it out, and I do hope they keep him forever. Uh, it, I think it's a combination of yeah, they probably pulled the trigger just a little bit too early. But it was probably the right thing to do, too. Graham says, are you excited for a healthy season from Dakota Hudson? Um, yeah, look, I uh, I was thinking about Dakota Hudson earlier in the week, right? So I've always been more Hudson in the bullpen, Helsley as a starter. And obviously, Dakota Hudson is not that good of a starting pitcher outside of the Cardinals organization. The FIP numbers tell us that, uh, right? You know, any any organization that doesn't field ground balls as well as the Cardinals do, uh, he's not going to be as effective. But I think back to spring training before he hurt his arm and had to have Tommy John surgery. And we started to see a better bite on that slider. We started to see him command the slider and sinker a little bit better. And honestly, when he came back from Tommy John at the end of 2021, he looked really sharp. So, yeah, I will say right now I'm more excited about Dakota Hudson than I've been in a long time, honestly. Uh, it was funny. So I was interested as I was writing a, a, an argument, uh, that dirty, flirty prospect write-up I was talking about earlier. As I was writing the argument, I was going over and over. Uh, I went back to the first dirty prospect list, the first top 30 prospect list I did. And I did it with Colin Gardner of the Redbird Daily. We can bind our list to make a top 30 list between the Redbird Daily and Birds on the Black. My good friend Colin Gardner, Colin, I love you. Um, I went back and I clicked on all those articles because I wanted to see where I had those players ranked. You know, we had a, an aggregate, and that's how we got, like, prospect number one, prospect number two, prospect number three. I went and I clicked on all the articles because I wanted to see where I had prospects ranked. And at the time, I had Alex Reyes one, Jack Flaherty two, Carson Kelly three, Harrison Bader four, Tyler O'Neill five. Just to show you that I try my hardest to keep my biases out of this. Uh, Kisner six. Um... Oh, man. Who did I have seven? 
Oh, man. Well, anyways, I had Randy Nine. I had... Well, anyways, like, I, I bring that up to say that, like, uh, 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 oh, Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson was, like, seven or eight. Dakota was eight. Uh, anyway, so I had, uh, I had all these guys, like, right there. And I, it brings to mind, like, how good the Cardinals' uh, prospect list was in 2018, just a couple years ago. And how effective and how uh, uh, important those players have been to the Cardinals' The Cardinals team. So yeah, look, I am hella happy and I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy that Dakota Hudson is healthy and I'm excited to see if maybe some of the gains he was making before Tommy John stick around. I love you too, Gifts, but I mean every word of what I say. Uh, Rumsfeld. Hey, what's up, Rumsfeld? How are you, bud? Why do you hate it? Why do you have a shirt on? Uh, cause I'm very doughy and I just ate a bunch of tenderloin and turkey and dressing and, uh, and I'm not feeling particularly good at myself and I keep drinking this this cold snack here, buddy. This cold snack. Uh, you know, there'll be time for the shirt to come off in the near future. Dylan Davis says, what do you want to do at short? What do I want to do? I want the Cardinals to sign Corey Seager. I I'll be honest with you. I want the Cardinals to sign Corey Seager and Trevor Story and Marcus Simeon uh, uh, and Carlos Correa. Uh, if I'm not being a psychopath, uh, I want the Cardinals to sign Corey Seager or Carlos Correa or Trevor Story or Marcus Simeon. Uh, if I'm being somewhat rational psychopath, uh, I would say that Trevor Story seems like the most reasonable option, and I would like to see that. Uh, that's not going to happen either. So uh, if I'm the front office, what I would do, uh, and it's reasonable, but I don't think the Cardinals are going to do it, is I would have Tommy Edmond be your starting shortstop, and I would have uh, who, by the way, Tommy Edmond was such a good shortstop at the minor league level, capable of getting to all kinds of stuff. He'd have been able to handle the position, but Mike Schilt and the Cardinals screwed that all up by not letting him ever play short since he made his major league debut. And God only knows how hard it's going to be to get back into the swing of the most uh, challenging defensive position outside of catcher in baseball. Uh, but what I would do is I would go to spring training with Tommy Edmond uh, in the mix to play shortstop with DeYoung and Sosa. And then I would ha have uh, uh, Gorman and Brennan Donovan in the mix to start at second base. And uh, if it doesn't work out, then worst case scenario is you move your shortstop back to second base where he just won a gold glove, although it didn't really matter because he wasn't the best defensive second baseman, although he was really good. Um, and, and then you have whatever the fuck happens at shortstop happen at shortstop until Gorman or Donovan is ready to take over at second. And then you move Edmund back to short. The, that's how I would handle it from a practical standpoint and also from a psychopath standpoint. Uh, uh, Rumsfeld says... Come back to Peoria in 22. Meeting you this year was a highlight. Aw. Hey, to you, man. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to be in Peoria that night. I can definitively promise you I will be back in Peoria in 2022. The Peoria people are the best. Jimmy Fleming says, Jimmy Fleming says, It was a highlight to meet you too, Rumsfeld, and Troy Poole, and some of the the, the players that I met and some of the other people within the organization. Like that was an awesome, it was an awesome thing, an awesome day. Uh, and also I got a really awesome shirt out of it that uh, the Hispanic heritage shirt uh, from Peoria. That thing was awesome. I love that shirt. Uh, Jimmy Fleming says, Kyle back on his, his goat shit uh, with bourbon to you, Jimmy Fleming. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to raise the beer to all the pad people. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You drink yourself stupid. Uh, uh, hey Kyle, late to the party tonight. Hello, Austin Stone. Welcome to Prospects After Dark. It's great to have you in here. Uh, uh, you know, at this point, we're an hour and 20 minutes in, or an hour in, or an hour and 10 minutes. God only knows how long we're in. Uh, but I want to say thank you to everybody for being here to Prospects After Dark. It's awesome to see names like Jimmy Fleming, and Austin Stone, and Octavius Rex, and John Dobble, 
and uh, Braden Brown and uh, uh, friggin' cards and cards gifts. It's, it's awesome to see our regular names in here. It's awesome. It feels heartwarming to be able to talk this over with you. Like, I love this. I wish we could do it more. I wish I was able to do it more, but unfortunately I can't. Uh, and every time I do it, I think to myself, man, I want to do this more and more, but I just can't make it happen. Uh, I will tell you that I will try my hardest to do it as often as possible, but, uh, Austin Stone, thank you so much for being here. Everybody who's been in tonight, thank you for being here. You're, you're the best. A cards gift says one yep as center fielder. I'd love to see it. I'm about it. Uh, Dylan Davis says need the Langford jersey back in the frame. Uh, where is it at? Where are you at, baby? Uh, hold on. Where is that at? See, I hate this. I hate that, uh, I hate that this camera, hold on. We'll do that. Boom. Um, and also my tree back there. There's the tree. There's the link for Jersey. Um, yeah, I got that. So the story goes, my brother Jim, uh, one of his friends was at spring training in 93 or 94. I don't remember. It says it on the jersey. And uh, he got that off of Lankford. Regardless of what it is, it's my most prized piece of memorabilia. Uh, and I hang it in honor of uh, Ray himself. Uh, but I'm glad you like it, Dylan Davis. Thank you for being here. Um, I haven't watched in a while. Not sure what happened. Yeah, beats me. Hey, James goes boom. I love you too, bud. I love you too. Uh, welcome to Prospects After Dark, bud. Uh, Mr. Yep has Pat's stepdad. Yeah, look, I've got, uh, I've got, look, I'm lousy with stepdads, baby. Uh, and if there's one thing pornography's taught me is you can never have too many stepdads. Uh, Mr. Yep, uh, shortstop for the Cardinals from Loaf and a bunch of numbers. And then also from Loaf and a bunch of numbers, Matt Zzz, which I think is putting you to sleep with all those Zs. Oh boy, that's a C70 joke. God damn it, I hate myself. Uh, shortstop for the Cardinals is Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa. Uh, Mr. Mazalek seems all on board for Paul DeYoung. Maybe that's smoke and mirrors. Maybe the shortstop market settles and he has a supreme value on the market and some team overpays for him. I don't think it happens. For me, my shortstop would be Tommy Evan, but it doesn't sound like that's what the Cardinals are going to do either. Uh, so yeah, beats me, man. A loaf and a bunch of numbers says Hudson improved greatly towards the end of 21. Yeah, but keep in mind that he improved greatly at the end of 21 because he only pitched at the end of 21. Uh, Fuzzle Light. Hey, what's up, Fuzzle Light? Kyle the Blues are messing with my emotions. Thanks for the pad. It's my pleasure, Fuzzle Light. Thank you for being here. Uh, I love doing pad, and thank you guys for being here. A loaf and a bunch of numbers says Newt. Um, loaf and a bunch of numbers says Polanco and Crawford fit well. I can only assume he's talking about Carl Crawford and Gregory Polanco. Uh, and also, he says Polanco at second base. Yeah, sure, that works for me. Uh, I would love to see outfielder Gregory Polanco. I know you're not. You're talking about Jorge Polanco, but I'm just playing around. Uh, there we go. If you get rid of Edmund, I'm becoming a Cubs fan. I could understand why. Uh, Edmund needs to stay at second base. I think you're wrong. Uh, Rumsfield says, Alec Burleson not getting love for many. Also ripped to Sedania for being a Diamondback. Yeah, I'll raise my glass of Montucky to uh, Leandro Sedania, who is now a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. And, uh, you know, for me, Alec Burleson is now my number eight prospect. And we're starting to see Alec Burleson tick up on national rankings as well. Uh, the problem with Alec Burleson is that, like, because he's so steady – and he doesn't do a lot of things loudly. He just does a lot of things really well. Like, there isn't a whole lot of, like, you know, quote-unquote prospect sex appeal to him. Um, you know, whatever that means to you. Uh, but to me, like, that's the kind of prospect that I think you can bank on. Like, worst-case scenario, you know, uh, Alec Burleson is a left-handed hitting version of 
Stephen Piscotti. And, you know, that's a pretty valuable piece. It's not mega valuable, uh, but it's pretty valuable. So, yeah, look, Alec Burleson might not be getting the top five consideration. He might not be getting top ten consideration. But we're starting to see him get top 15, top 20 consideration after that absolutely blockbuster year he had uh, this past year. To the Burlesons, I raised my glass. Graham says, did you ever think that there was a possibility that Sandy Alcantara would develop like you didn't know? No, look, I'm not even going to play around. Like, uh, I always thought that Sandy Alcantara was going to be a relief pitcher. Uh, I, I thought Junior Fernandez would be a better relief pitcher than he is, but I always thought Junior would be too. If you guys remember, uh, doing Prospects After Dark, the guy that I was most disappointed about was Zach Gallen. I didn't give a shit about Magnera Sierra, and, you know, Daniel Castano, honestly, has had a nice little major league, uh, uh, taste here and there, and he was a really good part of that trade too, but, like, the guy that I was most concerned about at that point was Zach Gallen. And, you know, the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara, they deserve all the credit in the world for becoming the player that Alcantara has become. And that's awesome. How exciting. You know, I know Cardinal fans will be pissed about those four guys, specifically Alcantara and Gallon right now, for Ozuna. But, you know, that's a hindsight thing to me. I remember on that day that the trade was made, I said something like, man, I just can't get excited about this Ozuna thing. And it wasn't a matter of, like, not being excited about it or thinking that it was a bad trade. It was just like, yeah, it's Marcelo Zuna. Like, it could be good, but it's just Marcelo Zuna. Uh, but even then, like, at that time, like, the Cardinals had pitching depth. They needed outfield, and they needed outfield pop. Uh, there was a lot of reason to think that Ozuna was going to continue to, to hit. The thing we didn't know, and what the Cardinals should be ashamed of, is that they traded for an outfielder that they knew was compromised shoulder-wise. That's the biggest mistake in it all. It's not trading the prospects for Marcelo Zuna. It's the fact that the Cardinals knew his arm was fucked up, and they still traded all those prospects for him. Uh, but, you know, that comes with the crunch of trying to build a major league roster. It's not easy to do. And when your offense was as deficient as the Cardinals' offense was, they needed to do something drastic to get better, and they did it. And they did it by dealing depth. And that's the right thing to do, even if the results aren't good. Uh, so that's a long way of saying congratulations to Sandy Alcantara for being a fucking boss. Cards Clone says, stuck at home alone with COVID this Thanksgiving. Thanks for doing this. Hey, I hope you feel good. I hope you feel fine, Cards Clones. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. I hope you feel better. I'm thinking about you, bud. Uh, uh, be safe this, this Thanksgiving, this Skanksgiving, and this Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I hope that you can spend it with family. But if you can't spend it with family, I'm here. Uh, hit me up on Twitter and we'll talk. Love you guys. Sandy is no joke, but overrated now. I wouldn't say he's overrated. He's only getting five years, 55 mil. Think about that. Like, would you rather have Sandy Alcantara for five years, 55, or Steven Matz for four years, 44? I'd rather have Sandy, uh, maybe by a great deal. Uh, let's see. Too many. Hold on. Too many stepdads. Uh, James, <laughs> James Goes Boom says, too many stepdads, LOL. You can never have too many stepdads. Uh, STL Cards fan Kyle says, uh, which municipality do you work for? Don't have to answer, of course. I work for the county. Uh, James Go, the St. Louis County. James Goes Boom says, one more pitcher. Uh, for me, James Goes Boom, I want more than one. I want them to bring back Hap and LeBlanc. Look, they don't have to bring back. Okay, so again, this is where like being rational and being a fan conflict with me. I still want them to sign Scherzer. Like the kid who sits on his couch and watches the game and yells about shit. Uh, that guy, that version of me, wants Scherzer, he wants Stroman. Now, I know that isn't realistic, 
what I know is realistic is somebody like LeBlanc or Hap, whichever one of those type of guys are willing to accept like a swing role or a, a long reliever bullpen role like that. But I'll be honest, I want more than that. Like I want both of those guys. And you know what? I want relief arms for days. I want them to keep signing uh, James Nail and Jay, uh, and Kyle Ryan to minor league deals. Keep padding your potential. Keep padding your depth. That's what the Cardinals need. They need as much depth pitching-wise as possible. Uh, Loaf and a bunch of numbers says Brandon Crawford and Jorge Polanco. No, I know who you're talking about. I'm just screwing around. Cards Clone says not Placido Polando, uh, Polanco. Uh, yeah, you know, Placido Polanco is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. All kidding aside, what a great career Placido Polanco had. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna do something I didn't expect tonight. I'm going to cheers Placido Polanco to you. Not only did you help net us along with Bud Smith, uh, 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 Mike Tomlin, I think, uh, but you helped net us uh, uh, Scott Rowland. And uh, to, yeah, and you, then you had an amazing major league career. You won a batting title to Placido Polanco. We raised our glass. Uh, retire Polanco. Hall of Famer, Placido Polanco. Uh, Cards Gift says, as you pointed out on Twitter, Donovan playing shortstop in the fall ball all-star game. Quote-unquote, just saying. Uh, I've said this about Brendan Donovan. I watched him play the outfield, and he hadn't played the outfield or hardly taken any outfield reps uh, in years out there, really. And he played it well. He was tracking balls down in the in the fucking gap. He tried to make a jumping catch at the wall uh, on a home run. Uh, then he almost got the fucking thing. If you were to tell Brendan Donovan tomorrow, hey, Brendan, look, here's the deal. Our shortstop position is weak as fuck. Uh, we need somebody to maybe play shortstop in the long term. Uh, would you be willing to do that? Are you capable of that? Uh, I would bet that he'd spend all winter uh, dedicating himself to that, and then by the end of winter, he would be a really solid defensive shortstop. Yeah, so uh, same thing goes with him out in the outfield. I know right now that he's a really, really solid defensive third baseman. Sure, there are some mistakes here and there. Uh, same thing with second baseman. Uh, I know he can handle both of those positions at the major league level right now. I have no doubt about it at all. But I know that if you gave him an entire winter to work at short and in the outfield specifically, with that, with those positions being his primary moving forward, that he'd be beyond, he'd be average at the very least, a major league level average because that's the type of kid he is, that's the type of player he is, and that's <laughs> that's the type of dedicated dedication level that he has. Uh, Graham says, "Ugh, I really expected Piscotty to continue doing really well in Oakland. Yeah, it kind of sucks that Piscotty didn't end up having a really good uh, career. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, you know, it's just been kind of middling. Uh, but even then, like, that's a valuable prospect and good for Stephen Piscotty. And, man, I root for Piscotty. I, I wish him nothing but the best. Um, Grichik's sister. By the way, Grichik's sister, which isn't Grichik's sister, but it's... The pad version of Grichik's sister is in here. That makes me so happy. You talk about callbacks to four years of Prospects After Dark. Uh, to Grichik's sister, we raise our glass. To uh, Sasha Bader, too, for that matter. Uh, um, Raymond Herring says, not to mention the Marlins were not trading Yelich. Yeah, you know, yeah, oh boy, what a frustrating time. What a frustrating time, you know. I, the Cardinals deserve credit for showing some urgency there, but urgency hurt them in that particular instance. An organization that has patience upon patience upon patience uh, shows urgency for the first time and it goes to bite them 
when later down the road the Marlins decide that their untradeable Christian Yelich is finally tradable. But even then, think about that. Like, imagine that. The Cardinals trade for Christian Yelich, and you know they would have locked him up. You know they would have tried to lock him up, and now he's got back issues, and he's terrible. Uh, it almost makes you wonder if the best thing for the Cardinals was to trade for Marcelo Zuna, get one average-ish year from him, get one slightly above-average year for him, and then let him walk uh, and get Alec Burleson in the process. Uh, was the best thing for the long-term health of the organization. I, I think it was. And that's fucking crazy when you think about it. Uh, I say that, of course, the Cardinals would be better off now if they had Zach Gallon and Sandy Alcantara in the rotation. Uh, but that's only half the story. Uh, Graham says, have you seen Bryce Fenton's continuous public Twitter meltdown? I have, and it makes me sad, and I wish Bryce Fenton nothing but the best. Uh, that family, you know, they're aggressive people. Um, and that kid feels like the world's against him right now. And just like with anybody else, like, when you feel like the world's against you, it's the worst fucking feeling on earth. So, uh, I feel for Bryce Denton in the biggest way. You know, right now the world's spiraling out of control and it's moving too fast and he's fighting it. You know, he's, he's a, he's a puncher that's in a corner in a boxing match right now. And, uh, you know, I'm here for that guy. I hope we're all here for that guy because it bums me out when, People are attacking him, and he's attacking back, and he's saying crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I just want people to be happy, and I just want people to be healthy. And hopefully he's he's healthy. Hopefully he's finding ways to be as healthy as possible. And hopefully his support system around him isn't feeding the demon. You know, they're helping they're helping the demon. Now, you don't want him to help the demon. What an asshole I am. Uh, no, but they're, you know, they're, they're helping him to fight the demon is what I meant to say. Uh, it sucks. I, I feel for, for Bryce Denton. Um, I can't imagine what kind of a whirlwind it's been for him the last couple of years. Uh, and I, I wish him nothing but the best. And, and hopefully there's people there to support him and help him instead of, like, feeding it. Uh, I, tough, it's a tough spot to be in. Graham asks, I want the Cardinals to get Alex Cobb or Aaron Sanchez. Like, yeah, sign Aaron Sanchez to a minor league deal. I'm about it. Uh, Strowman, please. Yeah, again, I don't think it's realistic at this point that the Cardinals signed Strowman. And you know, uh, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, we're going to have a little heart to heart right now about Marcus Strowman. I love Marcus Strowman. I love him on Twitter. Uh, what I feel like I've learned from the Dexter Fowler thing on Twitter and Cardinal fans is I am, I am fortunate. I like, I, I am hopeful that Marcus Strowman doesn't have to suffer that side of Cardinals Twitter. That side of Cardinals social media that Dexter Fowler had to suffer. Uh, and with that, I hope he goes someplace where people aren't out of their fucking mind all the time. So, look, I personally think Marcus Stroman would be a great Cardinal. I personally think that Marcus Stroman is a great pitcher. I would love for the Cardinals to sign him. But I think it's in his best interest and in the interest of that section of Cardinal fans that Marcus Stroman does not become a St. Louis Cardinal. Um, and I, th I would imagine the Cardinals know that and have learned their lesson. Uh, but if not, look, look, I'll be honest with you, bring Marcus Stroman. I'll spend every minute I have defending him on Twitter as long as he's pitching well. Uh, and when the character assassinations come, I'll still defend him. Uh, but I'll also tell me he's a shitty pitcher if it's happening. Shout out to Jack Flaherty's ex from Graham. No, 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 shout out. She's a psychopath. Uh, Loaf and a bunch of numbers says, don't talk shit about the Big Bear. I got nothing bad to say about Marcelo Zuna. I mean, other than that, he's a complete piece of shit who beat his fucking wife and can go and get completely and totally fucked. Uh, Fizzlelight says, Rankwich Relief. By the way, I am a piece of shit. I've said some incredibly harsh 
and terrible things to women. Uh, uh, and I've also let women punch me in the face a bunch of times because I'm a fucking asshole who's kind of a piece of shit. Uh, but I've also never hit a woman. I've never hit a woman. Uh, I've only ever grabbed a woman by her shoulders and told her to stop fucking hitting me in the face. <laughs> but other than that, I've never done anything terrible. And uh, you know the reason why? It's because I'm not that level of a piece of shit. So Marcelo Zuna can go and get completely fucked uh, uh, and go climb a wall over a bridge and into an ocean. Uh, Fuzzle Light says, uh, rank which relief pitcher you want from most to least? Archie Bradley, Ryan Tapera, Mark Melanson, and Andrew Chafin. Like, uh, I'll take Bradley. To me, Bradley and Chafin are like 1A, 1B, and then Melanson and Tapera. Now, Tapera, uh, putting my, my personal ranking aside, I would love for the Cardinals to sign Ryan Tapera because I think we'd finally get another tweet out of Rick Hummel. Uh, because Hummel gave him an MVP vote a couple years ago, and that on accident, thinking he was like, Trey Turner or something like that. Uh, but yeah, like that's how I do it. Um, I think the Cardinals at this point have enough left-handed pitching depth that they don't necessarily need, uh, 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 you know, more in that direction. But I really like Archie Bradley. You know, uh, uh, I that's the direction that I would go. Like, um, you know, I, that's the direction I would go. And then if they thought that they needed more relief pitching, I'd go Andrew Chafin on the left-hand side. Jay Williams 075 says, would Palante move up the dirty flirty if it was made after falling? No. No, uh, the thing, hmm. Let me say this about the dirty flirty. Like, I love the fall league, but, and it's an important league where players learn a lot and they get reps and they get instructions and they get involved in, like, the atmosphere in the AFL competitively is just like, it's a level above AAA. Like, not not the talent level exactly. The talent level is some weird amalgam of like 4A kind of, AAA, AA, 4A. It's some weird amalgam there. Um, but like the competitive level is the next level because you're getting these kids who are trying to prove something. Uh, but other than that, like I'm not one to overly invest in that league. I've never overly invested in that league. I think it tells us certain things. Like a couple years back when Carson Kelly hardly struck out and walked a lot. I think that was the first indication that we had that Carson Kelly was going to be productive at the major league level uh, That w instead of just, like, speculating at it. I think it shows us that. Uh, but, like, you know, Palante, Palante rather, uh, he, he throws fast, uh, you know, it, but, you know, that 99 miles an hour, I was told, I saw the data myself with my own eyes. It was, like, 96 or 90, I think it was, like, 96.9, so it was actually 97 miles an hour. What's more important to me is how they do throughout a season. You know, uh, the 132-game season or whatever the minor league season is at AAA. Like, that's more important to me than what they do in a showcase with a day off every week. Now, the minor leagues are a day off every week, too, now. Uh, but, like, I, I'm more concerned about what they do in the season uh, than I could ever be in the AFL. I'm looking for things. Uh, it was an important coming of age for Andre Payante. Um, now, we'll see how those lessons he learned... Uh, in the Arizona Fall League, apply to him in the 2022 minor league season. That's what I want to see. You guys know I love Palante, Payante. Uh, I love his curveball. I love his slider. I think he needs to throw his changeup more. I wrote that in his dirty write-up. Uh, I love the fact that his fastball is starting to sit higher and higher and higher. Uh, I think that bodes well for his long-term future. Is it sustainable? Well, it wasn't sustainable in 2021, We'll see if it's sustainable in 2022. You can get away with that stuff in short Arizona Fall League stints. Can you get away with it in the fourth or fifth inning of a minor league start? Sixth inning of a minor league start? He hasn't done that yet. 
Uh, uh, so, no, his Arizona Fall League performance. By the way, you're talking about my number 22 prospect who's now my number 21 prospect. That's still pretty high. He doesn't throw enough strikes. The strikes were my issue. I love his stuff. But the strike drawing was the issue. I love what he did in Arizona there. But I think he also capitalized on some hitters that were trying to be aggressive and trying to do too much. Now, that could happen at AAA. That could happen at the major league level. I just don't think I've seen it at the minor league level yet to like incrementally move him up. Uh, now, with that being said, I think you could probably argue that he's in the same level as Zach Thompson now or Andre or uh, Angel Rondon now. And maybe I'm being a little aggressive with Thompson or Rondon or maybe even Connor Thomas. Like I think that that's a safe bet to make. I, I think the best way to look at it is uh, if you look at Rondon and if you look at Thomas and you look at Thompson and you look at Payante all in one tier, I think it gives you a better idea of like how I've grouped them uh, with – Libertor way ahead of the, the, that tier, and McGreevy between Libertor and that next group. Uh, the lovely and talented Victoria Dryden says, Stroh would be very mistreated uh, by Cardinal fans. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, Love says, I see we have a disparity in humor. Uh, we're all pieces of shit. Yeah, no, for real, we are all pieces of shit. Sarah, uh, Sarah says, Card Flown says, I miss... The Tapera Hummel story, that's unreal. Yeah, that happened last year. I th- it was MVP or Cy Young, one of the two. Uh, Love says, Stroh would not be mistreated, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, you know, the minute he got political... I mean, look, we've seen Jack Flaherty get treated mistreated by Cardinal fans because he treats he tweets something political or uh, in support of his heritage, and people lose their fucking minds. Anytime anybody does that shit. And, you know, by, the, by and large, reasonable fans aren't going to treat him like shit. They're going to respect him if he's performing. Uh, uh, but you know, I saw years and years of, uh, uh, six foot five long leg, no hustle, uh, tweets uh, from Dexter Fowler while I watched him run his ass off with, you know, maybe some compromised ankles to know that that's, that's bullshit. There's a section of this fan base, uh, that will absolutely lambast him for not having political views that, that align with them. And the same goes with Lane Thomas. The same goes with Miles Michaelis, guys who are on the opposite side of, of their outspoken nature. I saw Cardinal fans on the other end of that spectrum completely torch Lane Thomas and Miles Michaelis for maybe not lining up with them politically. Uh, so that's not just about like the left the left leaning players getting lambasted by the right leaning uh, part of the fan base. It also happens on the left to the, the right leaning players. Like, fuck off everyone. Like, just embrace people for humanity. It's tough enough living. It's tough enough overcoming what you've, the adversity that you've been raised with. Uh, uh, you know, fuck off everyone. You know, just like Sarah said a minute ago, we're all a piece of shit. Uh, once you realize we're all a piece of shit, then we all become tolerable. Graham says, uh, I think Carlos Martinez is a better example than Fowler. Yeah, no shit. And maybe even Matt Carpenter. Like, boy, you're not kidding. Jordan Hilton says, does Newt Bar continue to mature? Yeah, look, I think New- Lars Newt Bar, I-, I said it in a tweet months and months ago, but I think Lars Newt Bar is the rare uh, type of, uh, of, of player that can go from being a minor leaguer to a fourth outfielder pretty seamlessly and for many, many years. Like, at the very worst scenario, uh, 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 Lars Newt Bar is Nick Martini, uh, and that's a player who sticks around for a while, and more than likely, Lars Newbar is more than that. The cool thing about Lars Newbar now, after what he did to reinvent himself during the COVID lockdown, I feel comfortable now that if 
O'Neill or Carlson or Bader were to go down, that New Park could take a bunch of at-bats and, like, you wouldn't feel uh, 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 strangled by that. You know, depending on if there was a DH, that would help a big deal. But, uh, yeah, so, okay, so anyways, real fast, I want to go over, I want to thank everybody who participated in the dirty flirty over at Birds on the Black. My top 40 prospects, along with uh, uh, the kids, the teenagers, we went over five teenagers that I really like. Uh, boy, don't cut that off and use that against me in court. Uh, we went over uh, six men out, the, the top six prospects not in the dirty 40, uh, the dirty flirty. Uh, we went over the prospects uh, that are over 25. We went over um, another group that I can't remember right now because it was so long ago at this point. Then we went over 40 prospects, and then on Friday, we're going to have another combined total of about 35 prospects between pitchers and other hitters, other position player prospects in the organization that will come out on Dirty, fr- dirty uh, on Black Friday, um, along with some other thoughts that I have called an argument. Now, I'm calling these articles that come out on Friday an argument – uh, in the Shrine Part 1, the Shrine Part 2. I'm doing that in honor of my fav- one of my favorite Fleet Fox songs, uh, the, the Shrine and Argument, um, that uh, it's a very emotional song for me. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's off of an album called Helplessness Blues. The, ar- the words I write in the article, I mean wholeheartedly. I hope that you accept that and you enjoy it, uh, and that you feel the existential dread that I feel on a daily basis. Anyways, I bring that all up to say that Friday is the anniversary, Black Friday, although it's not because, you know, how the days of the week work and the days of the year and then the month and everything. But uh, uh, Black Friday is the anniversary of Birds on the Black starting, which is a very important moment in my life, but uh, uh, also in in like Cardinal Gift's life and in, in all of our lives. So uh, I'm very excited about being able to release something uh, on Black Friday for Birds on the Black. Uh, back in the day when we first started, uh, this is when I would do the position player rankings, but since I got ahead of the dirty list, uh, I didn't have to do position player rankings. So, uh, now we're going to have a little something different, a little bit more supplemental information, and I hope you enjoy it, I hope you read it. Again, the pictures that Cardinals gifted for these are a whole nother level. They are high art. I mean that, they are high art and they are beautiful, and they are wonderful, and they got me. Like, they got me right here in my heart when I saw them. Uh, they are an ode to the cover of Helplessness Blues by Fleet Fox, uh, but but very personal to me and Cardinal's gifts and our personal relationship that we've had over the years. Uh, uh, so I hope that you enjoy those. But uh, the, last, the last couple that we're going to do here, I raise my glass to Cardinal's gifts. He's the most important part of our little community. He's an awesome dude. Uh, who I am forever grateful to still consider one of my, my best friends. Uh, uh, Gifts, you've done so much for me and you've done so much for this community. To you, I raise my glass. Congratulations and thank you so much for Birds on the Black. <laughs> Jeff Neal says, Gifts giving us NFTs for free. Graham says, sometimes I forgot that Evan Mendoza made his debut in Homered. Uh, Evan Mendoza did not make a major league debut and he did not homer. Uh, I think you're thinking of Alex Mejia, but I get what you're saying, and that's not too far off at this point. And I even said it uh, uh, in my little uh, 25 and up write-up of Evan Mendoza. Uh, now, that brings us to Birds on the Black. Uh, when we first started, when Gifts first started Birds on the Black, it was me. It was Zach Gifford. It was Alex Crisofoli. It was SEO Capajo, and it was him. Uh, and I felt so privileged to be a part of that. And the only thing that I feel more privileged to be a part of, other than Redbird Daily, who I love all of those guys with all my heart, Alan Medlock, uh, uh, John Nagel, uh, Adam Butler, Colin Gardner, 
uh, Ryan Massey, uh, all of those guys who were over there. Like uh, The only thing that I feel more privileged to be a part of those two things is to be a part of the current group of birds on the black. Now, I miss that Gifford with all of my heart. But to be able to podcast with Ben Cerruti here the next couple days about the Dirty Flirty, uh, I am so excited about that. And to get that out to you, I'm very excited about that. And to get Stu Stiles, who does those amazing game recaps, to get him involved, I am so excited about that. You guys all know this by now, but Alex Christopher, who's still a part of Birds on the Black, uh, he and Tara Nichols, uh, formerly Tara Wellman, um, now Tara Wellman Nichols, they do chirps, and it is one of the best podcasts that you're going to find. They're a part of, of Birds on the Black, as is and Chill, Nicholas Childress. I love that guy with all my heart. But uh, to be a part of Birds on the Black with that group right now is the biggest honor that I think I've ever had. Especially when I think about how like I've thought about quitting this so much and getting away from this world and living in my own little uh, 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 sheltered world away from the world. Uh, it means the world to me, as I keep saying world, uh, that I'm still a part of it. So uh, to all of the Birds on the Black people uh, of past and future, uh, past, present, and future, I raise my glass. Which, of course, brings me to the pad people. Uh, what's in said glass from deep nothing or deep throating? Uh, that's Four Roses bourbon. Um, for real, like, the birds on the black people, I love you guys. I, I love you with all my heart. I'm also going to go on a little tangent here. I love Brian Swope. Check out Brian Swope. He had Yakety uh, Yakers or something like that. I always forget the name of his podcast. He's an awesome guy. Check out uh, Two Birds on a Bat. I've been fortunate enough to be a part of that. Jim is, has been extremely kind to me over the years. To all of the players, all the players' family members, uh, all of the agents who have reached out to me over the years, I am thankful. Adam Butler, by the way, who was on Birds on the Black. Rusty Gropel, uh, not Birds on the Black. Adam Butler, Rusty Gropel, uh, who were on Redbird Daily. Like, those guys. Like, I've been so fortunate enough to be a part of some really excellent and awesome uh, uh, communities over the last couple years that uh, I, I can't tell you how thankful I am that I get to be that. But the only community that, like, all as awesome as those communities are, the most awesome community has been the Prospects After Dark community, which you guys have cultivated over all of these years as we enter another year of Birds on the Black, as we are just a couple weeks away from the December 10th uh, uh, new season, uh, the December 10th anniversary of Prospects After Dark. Uh, what you guys have cultivated, what you guys drive me to do, to, to the, the Pad family, I raise my glass. I, I am grateful for you. I love each and every one of you. And I can't tell you how thankful I am that you guys keep me going. You keep me alive, honestly. Like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a mess. And my psychosis has gotten worse over the last couple weeks in particular. Uh, but beyond that, I'm also kind of weirdly happy in it all. It's a whole weird balance. It's the whole INFJ thing. Uh, but anyways, like... To have you here, to have this moment, to share with you the day before Thanksgiving as we creep closer and closer to Thanksgiving, I raise my glass uh, uh, to you. Thank you. Thank you for booing me in the storm. I love you too, Stu. Uh, what do you think realistic Cardinals will do the rest of the offseason? I think they'll wait until a collective bargaining agreement is struck after they sign a relief pitcher. Uh, with all of that nonsense being said, Gorman makes the roster from plastic tees. Uh, if I was the Cardinals, I would give him every opportunity to make the roster, as I would Brendan Donovan, but I don't think the Cardinals are going to do that. I think more than likely it's 
Tommy Edmond and Rondone and the same old manufactured and recycled names that we've had the last couple of years. Happy Thanksgiving, pad people from Victoria Dryden. Victoria is one of the pillars of our pad community. Uh, uh, but anyways, I am very fortunate. I have an incredible girlfriend with an incredible family. I have an incredible family myself. Uh, uh, I am thankful for the pad community. I'm thankful for the bot B community. What position does Gorman play in the majors at second base? Plastic tees? Uh, I'm thankful for the pad community, the bot B community, for the Twitter community. Happy Thanksgiving, Edarby, Sarah. Uh, to you, Sarah, I am very thankful. You're a, you're a really fun person to interact with on Twitter. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite people that I interact with on Twitter. It was a pleasure meeting you and gifts and uh, freaking cards and, and everyone like... Uh, uh, as Graham is in here. By the way, Graham, feel free to add, re-add me to the Prospects After Dark chat. I love you guys. I miss you. Uh, I, I took a preventative measure, um, but you're telling me Evan Mendoza and Alex Mejia aren't the same person. They just might be at this point. Uh, but anyways, uh, for everybody at Prospects After Dark, for the Carlson family, uh, the Hicks family, uh, the uh, various, various, various unnamed of uh, families and players in the Cardinals organization, to members of the Cardinals organization, my name is Tony from Hannibal. Oh, hey, what's up, Tony from Hannibal? Welcome to Prospects After Dark. We're almost over. But we're two hours or so into Prospects After Dark. I've had enough. I've been ranting and rambling for two hours. Happy Thanksgiving. I love each every one of you. Uh, this is all, all a nonsense. I miss Periscope. Uh, but mostly I love Cardinal's gifts is what I'm trying to say. And uh, this isn't going to happen without him. So to you, to Birds on the Black, to Prospects After Dark, to Cardinal's gifts, I raise my glass. And we polish this motherfucker off. I'm rich, bitch! Uh, to everybody at Prospects After Dark, everybody at Birds on the Black, happy Thanksgiving, bitches! Have a happy Skanksgiving. I love each and every one of you. Uh, we'll see you hopefully soon. At the very least, I will plan on doing a Prospects After Dark on December 10th to celebrate our anniversary. I love each and every one of you. If you are watching this, you are part of the Kyle Reese Resistance, the Reese Resistance. And as always, family, happy hunting.